This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 24, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. A new book by Bob Woodward reveals many of the disconnects between the president and the Pentagon and how to pursue war in Afghanistan. But the divisions are symptomatic of the disconnect between what we want to achieve in Afghanistan and the facts on the ground. That, according to Malou Innocent, foreign policy analyst at the Cato Institute and co-author of the report, Escaping the Graveyard of Empires. What do we know now that we didn't know two weeks ago about the Obama administration in dealing with the war in Afghanistan? Uh, nothing too much is new from the Woodward book, as, as far as I can tell. We knew that there was some vigorous debate in the White House last year about the formation of strategy. I think sort of what's telling is that the White House has been unable to contain the rancor uh, from getting out into the public domain and into the public discourse. And I think a lot of that rancor is symptomatic of the deeper problems we have with the current strategy and the mismatch between what we want to achieve in Afghanistan and the resources available to achieve the, those goals. The first being, I think, the profound uh, problems we have with President Hamid Karzai. Uh, the lack of a legitimate host nation government in Kabul is extremely difficult to sort of work with when you're talking about trying to promote an accountable, effective, capable government that is able to uh, provide the basic goods and services uh, of it to its people. We're talking about basic security and justice that the Taliban is able to provide and not the government that we're backing is able to provide. Uh, you also have a great deal of corruption, a great deal of fraud and embezzlement and waste uh, that's happening within the Afghan government. And that further serves to alienate the people from the government that we're backing and supporting. And the bizarre thing about all this is that we haven't asked the moral question. Even though we know that Karzai's regime is very corrupt, is, is fraudulent, is abusive and predatory towards its people, we still don't stop to ask whether we should not try to expand its reach and scope toward the Afghan people. Uh, so that's sort of a striking question that I have. Um, so aside from just even that, that profound problem of just the government that we're backing, you also have another issue of the regional uh, issue uh, surrounding Afghanistan. There's a reason why Afghanistan looks the way it does. It's not one of the poorest countries in the world by accident. Um, it has been a target of surrounding states to sort of expand their own geopolitical interests at the expense of Afghan society. And we see that today, uh, not just with U.S. involvement, but Russian involvement, Iranian involvement, Involvement, Pakistani involvement, Indian involvement. And this is something uh, that won't be alleviated simply because we set up a government in Kabul, uh, particularly when uh, every single country in this region that has an incentive to sort of push its own agenda uh, immediately provokes counter-reactions by other countries. So within this sort of uh, dynamic framework of just the government and this, these regional issues, uh, we really just have a profound disconnect within Washington. And the fact that the uh, U.S. government right now is trying to sell this war, um, it's obviously in, in, in sort of a bizarre sense, why does a government have to sell a war to its people? Obviously, Afghanistan does not pose the existential threat that it does if the, uh, if the U.S. government has to spin the war to it. Um, it doesn't pose a threat to the United States. There are only several hundred al-Qaeda fighters there. Al-Qaeda does not need one single base to launch attacks against the United States. Of course, you know, 9-11 did originate from Afghanistan, but terrorists don't need Afghanistan to launch future attacks. Presidents have had problems with the Pentagon in the past, especially getting them to do the things that the commander-in-chief wants them to do. It seems especially sharp, that uh, problem seems especially sharp uh, with regard to President Obama's decision early on to say, well, look, we're not going to expand this mission, and then later doubling down, changing a lot of his rhetoric. Right. I mean, I understand that the president and many 
people within the White House, including uh, Vice President Biden, have doubts about the current strategy. What I was troubled by is that despite the president's doubts, he still decided to triple troop numbers in, in the country. And so you have to begin asking yourself, why are we asking our men and women in uniform to fight and die for a regime that we know is totally corrupt and wasteful and fraudulent? Um, as far as the chain of command, the internal chain of command, it, you know, it makes sense to go to those who are on the ground and ask them what their candid assessment of the situation is. However, we must stop and remember that the military is asked to fight and die for these missions, so they're sort of hardwired to always want to continue to fight the war. It's a very delicate balance uh, to sort of maneuver. Uh, so I, it totally makes sense to want to go to McChrystal, to want to go to Petraeus, to want to go to the Met generals and ask for their input. But at the end of the day, it must be a civilian mandate policy that comes out of the White House, not one that's simply pushed by the Pentagon. One point that you make in talking about the war and trying to sell the war is that the president has to then expand the range of people that were fighting from al-Qaeda to al-Qaeda and the Taliban to al-Qaeda and the Taliban and people who oppose the sitting government in Kabul. Right, right. Uh, this is deeply troubling. Uh, we, Everyone sort of talks about the expansion of the mission and mission creep that we've seen. The mission creeps happen because we've expanded the number of enemies to attack. So now it's not simply al-Qaeda. It's, as you said, al-Qaeda and the Taliban, al-Qaeda and its terrorist fighters. And a lot of people have sort of reiterated the, the deep-seated problem with this is that there are indigenous Pashtun groups and indigenous militant groups in the region that don't pose a threat to the United States. Uh, they may pose a threat to the Afghan government. They may pose somewhat of a threat to the Pakistani government or to the Indian government, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those are the groups that we must be fighting. So now you see groups such as Lashkar-e Taiba, uh, the Taliban, uh, the TTP, all these sort of, you know, sort of the alphabet soup of militant groups that are now sort of on the terrorist watch list that we must now sort of go and combat. And that's where you have the expansion of the war. And if that is the case, and we'll be being, we'll be in this uh, region for the next several years, if not decades. Malou Innocent is a foreign policy analyst at the Cato Institute and co-author of the report, Escaping the Graveyard of Empires. You can read the report at Cato.org.